So setting the stage for this weekend, of course, football on Saturday, pregame 10, kickoff noon on USF Bulls Unlimited. The action starts on Friday night, though, with men's basketball against Auburn. That's a good team we'll tell you more about tomorrow. Saturday, while the football game's going on, yours truly will be on the air on Bulls Unlimited 2, starting at 2.15. That'll be the first game here in the Bahamas. It's the women going up against Syracuse, and boy, that's a team that underwent quite the offseason. Again, we'll talk more about the actual opponents on tomorrow's Bulls beat, and the Bulls will get either UConn or Minnesota, so it doesn't take me to tell you that if the Bulls beat Syracuse, they're probably going to play UConn. If they win, they'll be playing Sunday at noon. If they lose, they'll be playing Sunday at 5, and then the other part of the bracket has the number one team in the country, with UConn being second, by the way. South Carolina opens with Buffalo at Saturday night. Oregon against Oklahoma. So we'll be one of those four teams as the third opponent for the Bulls. You know, everyone here is assuming it's going to be UConn and South Carolina in the final, which, frankly, if it happens, I will stick around and watch. As far as the game times for the Bulls on Monday, probably too early to start to speculate there, but worth pointing out that on that Monday, the championship game is actually at noon. It's the first game of the day, followed by the third place game, which will be on ESPNU, incidentally, at 2.30 and then 5 and 7.30. There will not be national coverage for those games. So basically, if the Bulls win their first game, they're going to be on national television, whether it's in the championship game or in the third place game on Monday. And by the way, both of those games will be on Bulls Unlimited. So we'll use the second channel for the first game, and we'll also use the second channel next Friday for the additional contest the Bulls are playing against Stanford over at the Bahamar, which is, I think, a 20-minute drive from where we're going to be staying for the Atlantis event. The women's basketball team, first time I've made the road trip on a bus with them in a while, and I guess when you hit Alligator Alley, it's time for the freshmen to step up. And that means karaoke time. And I got to tell you, for me, the champ was Bella Weary. She was the first. She's the freshman from Jacksonville. And for the first person to come on the mic and be nervous, she rocked it. Girl, She had the moves to very poised for a freshman. Then Patience Williams, junior college transfer, you could tell has a big and bold personality. I think does a lot of the uh, TikToking. Uh, I'm not sure what the song is. I'm too. I'm not hip enough. But she showed a let's just say a v- wide vocal range here. Oh, patience. Good job. Uh, a veteran move by Ariel Wilson, the transfer from Memphis. She chose a song with only one word lyric. So basically, she just stood there. And if you want these videos in full, you can go to the USF Women's Basketball Instagram page. So they're loose and ready to, again, go to the Bahamas tonight. 
Friday, of course, is a big practice day, and then Saturday the action begins for three games at the Battle for Atlantis, and then we'll hang around during the Thanksgiving break and then come back over to the Baja Mar and play against Stanford next Friday. Speaking of women's basketball, if you missed this, I put it out on Twitter. This went from an idea to being put in place to being put in place for this year. So I love it. A season that is already underway and no one's going to complain. The NCAA has expanded the field for the tournament from 64 to 68, which of course equals the men's tournament field. And I think part of that, and you hear the council chair, Shane Lyons, who's the AD at West Virginia, say the immediate expansion of the Women's Basketball Championship reinforces the fact that leaders within Division One are committed to strengthening aspects of the Women's Basketball Championship that directly impact student-athletes. Of course, this will help four teams last year. One from the American was one of the first four out, so Houston would have benefited by the way, last night in the American, and we'll give you full details on tomorrow's conference show around the American, there were three games that were all very tight and went down to the wire at around the same time. Unfortunately, Temple, uh, this was a close game, way closer than the final score, lost to St. John 76-67, and the other two went overtime, a wild game, Houston at Texas Arlington. That's a future Bulls opponent, by the way. They play at Arlington. Houston had single digits in the first and third quarters, in the second quarter, Houston outscored the Mavericks 30-8. to They ended up losing in overtime, while Tulane, after beating Alabama, takes down TCU in double overtime, and they wiped them out in the second overtime, 88-78. to So that's good for the Bulls because the conference maybe is going to feature a little bit better numbers with their RPI, and that can only help. But the NCAA tournament on the women's side is now a 68-team event. There will not be a Dayton situation like we have on the men's side until next year, since it's such a quick turnaround. Basically, four of the 16 host cities will host that additional opening round game. Men's basketball going up against Auburn tomorrow. We'll get you more in tune to that one on tomorrow's show. From the Brian Gregory show, a couple clips here of around the same topic. And I think based on how things went this offseason, and how the roster has so many new faces, it's worth diving into with Jim Lighthall and Brian Gregory here. What it is, it's the new normal. You know what I mean? And I think you're going to see that. I think every year you're going to bring in two or three freshmen, maybe, and then two or three transfers every year. I think it's going to be anywhere from four to eight every single year. Uh, at least for the next three years, Jim, because what, what's happened is that extra year of eligibility has added a whole additional class every year for the next three years. The incoming freshmen right now, until they're seniors, uh, there's always going to be an extra class within the recruiting, especially and obviously in the transfer portal. So it's just something that you have to adjust to. Uh, you have to do a really good job of. You have to do a great job in terms of incoming freshmen or junior college players because if it's not a great situation for them, usually in the past guys would, okay, I'm going to do a second year, see where it's at. Does anything change? Then maybe make a decision. You're going to see more and more one, one years and transfers if they're not in the situation that they want playing-wise and different things like that. Because the clock's not ticking as much on them. Right. And, and, and again, a lot of times guys did not transfer because they didn't want to sit out a year. Mm. That was the deterrent to doing that. That was the deterrent to 
giving it another year to stick it out, see if things change, or, you know, again, look at the bigger picture in terms of different things like that. With that not out there, it's just, I'm not saying it's easier, but there's there's less blockage in terms of, okay, I'm going to try another school right now. And, and I think you're going to see a lot of that. And then very entertaining assistant coach Larry Dixon, who comprised the final portion of the hour-long show. Coach, there was almost 1,800 kids uh, in the portal this offseason. How has that changed what you do? Because, you know, I'm sure for years it was you go look at some freshmen, then you look at a couple JUCOs, and then you're done. That's not the case anymore. No, no, it's not. Uh, it's funny because I, I've told some high school kids, okay, after December, I probably won't talk to you if you don't pull the trigger. So uh, uh, once January hits, you start looking towards the JUCO because a lot of JUCO kids sign late. So we've been watching some of those. Um, and it's also Coach Gregory's good about not bringing kids in who don't have an opportunity to play. So we also got to see the right fit. But we definitely have our eyes on kids and, 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 and just continue to monitor them in case an opening do come up for us. This sounds a little crazy when I say it out loud, but is every single player in the country potentially recruitable right now? Because you don't know who's going into the portal at any given time. Could be a star, could be someone that's at the end of the bench. Yeah, that's true. Um, and, and a lot of times you recruit guys, you keep a relationship with them. Uh, our very own Jake Boss came up and said, hey, coach, I remember you used to come to the gym with your Georgia Southern stuff. You never talked to me. I said, well, when I came to talk to you, you had two broken arms from a uh, fall that you took trying to dunk on somebody, so I couldn't talk to you. You, well, you couldn't shoot then, but when it came time to uh, circle back with him, I was able to talk to him then, so that was good. That's a good story. He can shoot, and he can dunk now for sure, no yeah. problem. Uh, how has the staff approached recruiting and how it's so different now? There's so much on Zoom. There's, uh, like you said, it's a little still seeing kids in person, but there's so much on screens now. Yeah, no question. Uh, it's crazy because we did an official visit for the first time in probably a year and a half uh, this past uh, beginning of the fall. So Ryan Conwell came on a visit, and, and, and he was the first one. We were able to, to get him and get him locked up and signed, which we're excited about him. But for a year and a half, it was all virtual. Uh, you know, it was a lot of late nights with Coach Gregory and myself on Zoom. Thanks to Billy, he was the technician behind the <laughs> operation. But because if it had been up to me and BG, we'd have been in trouble. You've been writing letters. <laughs> yeah, no doubt. And hoping they get them. <laughs> nice shout out to Billy Hubley, who does the social media and also the NIL compliance. And, of course, video, which is a big part of things. Ryan Conwell, who we referenced, we talked about earlier when they announced his National Letter of Intent, November 10th. He's a 6'4 guard out of Indianapolis. Wanted to mention women's tennis real quickly. We'll talk to Christina Moros at some point. They played in Jacksonville last weekend at the UNF event, which was a huge event. We're talking about big-time schools, Florida, FSU, Auburn. And even though the Bulls only grabbed a couple of wins, remember the name Sierra Berry. A true freshman won her first match, lost her next two. For example, in the second flight, Grace Schumacher went one and two, but both of her losses featured a tiebreaker set loss. So I have a feeling that women's tennis is going to have a good season this year. Talk about all the sports here for sure. We hope you appreciate it. That's going to do it for the Thursday Bulls Beat. Thanks for listening. I'm Derek Sharp.